What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Did you know? There are two pornographic parody movies of Super Mario Brothers called Super Horneo Brothers 1 and 2, which are actually owned by Nintendo. Nintendo bought the rights to these movies after their production in order to stop any and all distribution of the films. The existence of these films was rediscovered in 2008 on the Something Awful forums whose members eventually managed to hunt down a copy of the second movie. This isn't the only piece of lewd material connected to Nintendo. Super Mario Strikers has an unused promotional poster that was made to potentially advertise the game. The ad was ultimately rejected, likely due to its visual similarity to male reproductive organs. In the image, two soccer balls dangle from a net bag, with the quote, you're gonna need a pair. Nintendo's marketing department aren't the only division that have made some regrettable mistakes. New Super Mario Bros. 2 has multiple typing and grammatical errors in both the US and UK localizations of the game. Some examples are an incomplete street pass notification in the UK version, and an entirely overlooked temp text message in the place of an error message in the US version. The Mario series has seen several plans that didn't pan out as intended. The idea for Super Mario Maker was actually patented in 1994. The game was planned to use a keyboard and mouse, as well as controllers, and Nintendo even proposed an online system so that players could share their creations. Another idea that didn't pan out as expected has to do with Super Mario 3D Land. According to director Koichi Hayashida, Cape Mario was originally considered as a power-up for the game. However, the cape was ultimately put aside in favor of Tanuki Mario, which had a similar function. Interestingly, in an early prototype stage of Super Mario 3D Land's production, the game's developers used the Mario 64 level Womp's Fortress to test the game. The level was even shown off by Koichi Hayashida at a Game Developers Conference 2012 panel. Speaking of Super Mario 64, the game seems to borrow a sound effect from an unlikely place. The sound for entering a Bowser course seems to come from Hotel Mario's third main cutscene when Mario enters an orange pipe. Uh-oh. Hotel Mario has a few secrets of its own as well. The game's stomp effect sprite has a peace symbol hidden within it. This is barely noticeable as the symbol is a similar color to the rest of the sprite, and the entire animation is only on screen for a few frames. Hotel Mario also has a series of date-based easter eggs. The Here We Go screen is swapped out for a holiday message depending on the date, covering various holidays. This is true for both the English and French versions of the game. Other Mario games have some interesting easter eggs. In the CD-ROM Deluxe Edition of Mario is Missing, there's hidden audio that references Star Trek. 
Trek. An unused audio file uses an excerpt from the Star Trek the original series episode The Ultimate Computer, where the character Daystrom talks about his colleagues mocking him. Colleagues laughing behind my back at the boy wonder. The audio file is named Pat.Wave, which is possibly named after Pat McCarthy, one of the game's programmers. Super Mario 3 also has a rare situation that almost never occurs. If the player tries to make Mario slide while wearing a hammer suit in Super Mario Bros. 3, Mario will go into the suit's shell. However, if Mario obtains the hammer suit while sliding, an animation of Mario sliding with the hammer suit is used. This is the only time the animation can be seen. In the original Mario Party, there's also a near-impossible scenario that can normally only be seen by using cheat codes. If the player manages to get 99 stars in a single game and meet up with Toad, Toad will tell them they don't have any room for any more stars and can't collect more unless they lose some of the stars they already have. Another interesting detail can be seen in Mario Party 4's Order Up minigame. In the minigame, there's a poster with the words Kinopio Burger on it. Kinopio is actually Toad's Japanese name, which means the game's localizers forgot to translate his name or replace the image, as well as interesting secrets, the Mario series has dealt with a few instances of censorship over the years. In the Japanese version of Mario Party 2, the ending for Western Land featured real guns and bullets. The ending was changed in the international release so that the guns shot out corks instead. Mario Party 8 was also affected by censorship and was recalled immediately after it was published. In the press release, Nintendo stated the game was recalled due to some discs containing the wrong version of the game. Video game retailer Game elaborated on this, explaining that Mario Party 8 was recalled due to some copies and including an offensive word. This turned out to be a line by Kamek, who says, Magikoopa magic, turn the train spastic. The word spastic is seen as a derogatory word that mocks the disabled in the UK and could have caused offense. The game was released again shortly after, with the offending word replaced by erratic. After the release of Mario Party 8, most first-party Nintendo games published in the UK had tweaked dialogue that better suited Britain's culture and use of English. This can be seen in Super Paper Mario, where an instance of the word shag was removed in the UK version. Shag was originally used to describe Luigi's mustache, but the entire scene was reworded as shag is a sexual slur in British English. The UK Virtual Console release of Super Mario RPG also alters a line spoken by Croco early on in the game. The word bugger was changed to pest, as bugger, when used as a verb, is a British slur for sodomy. This version of Mario RPG also toned down a few spell animations due to the original effects using flashes of color that could trigger an epileptic fit. Super Mario Galaxy was the first Mario game to be officially localized to Canadian French for Quebec. In the Quebec localization, NPCs such as the Lumas and the Toad Brigade use a Joal dialect. Joal is a stigmatized French-Canadian dialect that has been influenced by English words and grammar and is often used by working-class people. This localization choice sparked a minor controversy, with representatives of the Quebec Office of French Language criticizing it for promoting poor literacy to children. A Nintendo representative responded to the criticism, stating that the localization was made with the regional market in mind, as the Quebec market made up 25% of sales for Nintendo of Canada at the time. Following the negative reception of Super Mario Galaxy's localization, later French-Canadian releases of Mario games mostly featured standard French. There are several regional differences in Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. In the Japanese game, the Chucky La Cola is actually vintage red wine. As well as Vivian, the genders of both Hooktail and Bonetail are inconsistent between different regions. In the English game, Hooktail is female, but they're referred to with male pronouns in the Spanish game. And despite being referred to as a male in the English version, Bonetail is said to be female in both the Japanese and German versions 
versions of the game. When Mario's Picross for the Game Boy was brought to the West, several of the game's puzzles were censored. Many puzzles which originally depicted alcoholic beverages such as beer and wine were replaced with various objects such as a boo, a silk hat, and a duck. A puzzle that originally showed a cigarette and an ashtray was also replaced with a rabbit. Another game that was altered for the West is Dr. Mario 64. When the game was brought to the West, the character Octo was recolored from black to orange. It's believed this was to avoid having the character compared to racial stereotypes of black people. Did you know? Super Mario Kart was created in order to contrast F-Zero's fast-paced single-player gameplay. Mario Kart was more casual and offered split-screen multiplayer. Mario Kart's original prototype featured a generic man in a big helmet and overalls who would drive around with only an oil can and a banana. The game's producer, Shigeru Miyamoto, didn't think the game looked very unique, and he told the designers to quote, use the banana. This advice led to the team thinking about Donkey Kong, which ultimately resulted in the inclusion of Mario characters. The team also researched go-karting extensively. Co-director Tadashi Sugiyama read books and watched videos on karting, and the whole team took a trip to the Nimu no Sato amusement park where they raced each other on go-karts. They realized that actual go-kart physics and mechanics didn't fit their initial vision, and they had to make it less about cornering. In Miyamoto's own words, they wanted a fun, light-hearted game where you zip around unrealistically. The team decided that no one should be able to test the game in two-player mode during development. This was done to ensure that single-player racing was fun in its own right. They figured that if playing alone was enjoyable, then playing together would be fun by default. Although the battle mode has been noticeably subpar in recent games, Nintendo actually spent more time making Super Mario Kart's battle mode than they did the racing mode. In fact, the lack of racing is what drew the team to the battle mode, as it was an entirely new approach to karting. The original battle mode was completed early in development, but this wasn't the battle mode seen in the final game. The original mode had no obstacles on the course, and players would fire circular projectiles at one another in a machine gun-like fashion. However, the lack of obstacles made it so players would get dizzy circling one another, so obstacles and other landmarks were added to make the mode less disorienting. During the development of Mario Kart 8, the designers wanted to build on the glider and underwater gimmicks from Mario Kart 7. They also came up with the concept of attaching a drill to the front of the carts in order to include subterranean racing, allowing players to burrow through the ground. However, they realized that the idea wasn't very interesting in practice, and they scrapped the mechanic entirely. After the team hit upon the idea of including anti-gravity, they were inspired by the motion of Japanese tops spinning and bumping into each other. This led to the spin turbo mechanic, where players get a speed boost by bumping into each other during the anti-gravity segments. The addition of bikes as an alternative to carts was proposed for Mario Kart DS by series producer Hideki Kano, a self-professed fan of BMX and extreme sports. It was shot down by Miyamoto as the idea of Mario riding on a bike seemed unrealistic to him. However, the idea was eventually greenlit for Mario Kart Wii. Because of these influences, the working title for Mario Kart Wii was Mario Kart X. The X in the title was dropped because of Super Smash Bros. Brawl, which was released in Japan as Dairanto Smash Bros. X. Mario Kart 64 was intended to be a launch title for the Nintendo 64. However, Miyamoto kept pulling staff away from the project to have them work on Super Mario 64, which was in development at the same time. Luigi, Toad, Wario, and Peach all have completely different voice clips in the Japanese and English versions of Mario Kart 64. This also affects the voice of Thwomp, as his laugh is just a slowed-down version of Wario's. <laughs> 
There's also a potential easter egg or glitch in the game's results screen. Waiting just over 50 minutes after finishing a race will cause a slightly altered version of the results theme to play. This happens after the regular results theme has played 64 times. Because of that very specific number, people are unsure whether this is an intentional reference to the Nintendo 64 or just a simple counter error. The series also has a lot of unused features. Later builds of Super Mario Kart featured victory animations that went unused in the final game. If the player finishes a Grand Prix in second place, a Super Koopa will fly overhead in a loop before getting hit by the quirk of a champagne bottle. And if the player finishes in third, four paratroopers would fly past with the last one getting hit by the quirk. Mario Kart 64 was going to feature an option for vertical split-screen and multiplayer. This option can still be used by hacking the game. The Chain Chomp from Double Dash was going to be an item in Mario Kart DS, which is viewable in the item roulette for one of the game's prototype builds. Professor E. Gad was also going to appear in Mario Kart DS, but was left out in favor of Dry Bones. Hacking Mario Kart Wii to make a race longer than three laps reveals that Locky 2 was programmed with additional numerals for his sign that are never seen in the game. It's actually possible for Locky 2 to get crushed by obstacles, such as Thwomps in Bowser's Castle. This is most easily seen by driving backwards and guiding him into said obstacles. Mario Kart 7 also hides an easter egg in the Piranha Plant Pipeway course. Looking at the background reveals that the clouds and bushes are actually recolors of the same shape. This is most likely an allusion to the original Super Mario Bros., where clouds and bushes were made using the same sprite in order to save space. There are several interesting tidbits hidden in the code of Mario Kart games. Mario Kart 8 contains four placeholder cup icons for downloadable content. A Yoshi egg, a shine sprite, a boo, and a blue shell cup. Every one of these icons, except for the Yoshi Egg, were completely redesigned for the final release. Several of the tracks in Double Dash have file names indicating that they were originally meant to be themed around specific characters. Mushroom Bridge is named after Noko Noko, the Japanese name for Koopa Troopa. Mushroom City is named Pata Pata, or Paratroopa. Dino Dino Jungle is named after Diddy Kong, and Baby Park is named after Baby Luigi. There's also an easily missed mistake on the box art for Double Dash. The L on Luigi's hat appears to be mirrored. This likely isn't to illustrate the game's mirror mode either, as the text on DK's cart is unmirrored. Speaking of text, inspecting the code for Mario Kart DS reveals that parts of the game's memory have been padded out with ASCII art of an 8-bit Mario. The ROM for Mario Kart GP contains three unused images. A multicolored block, a picture of mascots from Expo 2005 in HE Japan, and bizarrely, a photo of the 2004 Beslan School hostage crisis, where over 1,100 people were taken hostage. Did you know? The original Mario Party might have been planned to work with the Nintendo 64 disk drive. Booting up the North American version of the game while the disk drive is attached will lead to a blank screen, and booting up the Japanese and PAL versions of the game while the disk drive is attached will lead to an error screen. Two other games that fail to load under the same circumstances are F-Zero X and Ocarina of Time, both of which had 64DD expansions planned, with F-Zero's even seeing a release in Japan. Mario Party 2 actually started out as a 64DD project, and it's speculated that Mario Party 2 may have begun as an expansion of Mario Party for the disk drive. This idea is also supported by Mario Party 1 and 2 sharing nearly 20 of the same minigames and using the same playable characters with additional costumes. We've mentioned in previous videos how Nintendo avoided sparking controversy by altering Wario and Luigi's voice clips. Oh my god! 
Stowine missed. One controversy they weren't able to avoid was with the release of Mario Party 8 in the United Kingdom. On the Shy Guys Perplex Express board, Kamek uses the word spastic, which is a highly offensive slur against disabled people in the UK. The use of the word caused enough outcry for Nintendo to recall the game. Later releases replaced the offending word with erratic. There have been other regional changes in Mario Party games as well. At the end of a game on the Western Land board in Mario Party 2, the winning character engages Bowser in a quick-draw duel. The Japanese version of the game has them dueling with actual revolvers, which were changed to pop guns in the international release. In the original Mario Party, several minigames had players rotating the analog stick. Rather than using their thumbs to rotate the stick, some players would use the palms of their hands as it gave them more grip and stability. Though it was effective, this method would often lead to blistered palms or other injuries. New York's Attorney General's office received close to 100 complaints of injury, which led to Nintendo of America taking action to prevent further damage. They provided gloves for anyone who had hurt their hands while playing the game and paid the state $75,000 in legal fees. Although it's unknown how much the incident cost Nintendo, providing gloves for the potential 1.2 million affected North American players could have cost the company up to $80 million. Despite the incident, Mario Party received generally positive reviews and press coverage. A few outlets panned the game, however. One of these publications was Game Informer, who gave the first Mario Party a review score of 2.5 out of 10, and the second Mario Party a 5.25 out of 10. The reviews became so infamous that Nintendo of America sent Game Informer a sarcastically written certificate stating, Nintendo appreciated Game Informer for their well-written and glowing reviews of Mario Party and Mario Party 2. Signed by then-Nintendo of America chairman Howard Lincoln and Nintendo of America founder Minoru Arakawa. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Japanese and European versions of Mario Party 1 feature a song that is completely absent from the US release. The song Move to the Mambo was used for the minigames Balloon Burst and Musical Mushrooms. Other songs from the series have had some surprising origins. The song Let's Go Lightly from the Bobsled Run minigame in Mario Party 1 is a remix of the Giant Land theme from Super Mario Bros. 3. The track Slowly Slowly is a remix of the Iceland theme, and the song Pandemonium from Mario Mario Party 9 is a remix of the battle mode theme from Mario Kart Double Dash. 
In addition, some of the voice clips for Wario, Luigi, and Toad in Mario Party 1 were taken straight from the Japanese version of Mario Kart 64. Although Mario Party has traditionally supported up to four players, there are Japanese arcade versions of the game that go far beyond this. The Capcom-developed Fushigi no Kurokuro Party 2 supports up to 16 players. Another unusual take on the series was the little-known Mario Party E hybrid board game video game. It came with a playboard, 64 cards, and supported up to four players. Interactions with the board game would lead to one of 11 minigames that were played out on the Game Boy Advance e-reader. Luigi and Peach were missing from the game's roster. Players could choose between Mario, Yoshi, Wario, Waluigi, or Princess Daisy. Mario Party 8 contains three unused minigames. The games have no explanations or English translations and can only be played by replacing the files of other minigames with the unused files. The games include Hammer D. Pokari, where players have to swing the Wii remote horizontally to hit their opponents with a hammer, Guru Guru Kataduke, where players spin the remote in clockwise circles to roll up a length of ribbon, and Ochiruna Rodeo, a dual minigame where two players have to tilt the Wii remote to stay on top of a mechanical bull. What's interesting about these is that two minigames with striking similarities to Guru Guru Kataduke and Ochiruna Rodeo appeared in Wii Party U, which had the same director as Mario Party 8. Mario Party Island Tour included a Bowser's Tower mode, where the player got to take him on directly. After defeating him, Bowser will appear and declare, Wahahaha, you celebrate too soon. This wasn't even my final form. This line is a reference to the Dragon Ball Z villain Frieza, who underwent multiple transformations in battle. Mario Party 10 stepped up Bowser's involvement by including a mode where a player with a gamepad could take control of Bowser and chase down the other characters who would all be riding in a car together, a mechanic that carried over from the previous game. When asked by Nintendo Life why they changed the Mario Party format to include the car, the game's director, Shuichiro Nishiya, explained that it was done to keep the players engaged. In past installments, everyone would move separately through the board. As a result, the actions of the other other players often didn't affect you. You could just look at the TV screen when it was your turn and during the minigames. In Mario Party 10 though, players move together in a car so each player's action will affect others, meaning you'll need to keep an eye on the TV screen. This way everyone's constantly involved and we keep the flow of the game at a good pace. Did you know? For two years straight, Mario Galaxy 2 was the world's most pirated video game, averaging over 1 million illegal downloads in both years. Despite the piracy, it was one of the best-selling Wii games overall. Both games in the series saw universal praise, and one of their most celebrated features was their orchestral soundtracks. The original Mario Galaxy, however, almost didn't have one. The development team felt that an orchestrated score would be too expensive, and that it could actually be detrimental to the gameplay. Mario composer Koji Kondo elaborated, saying it almost feels like while you're playing the game, the music is coming from a CD player and not from the game console, and it feels like you're obligated to play the game in time to the music. For that reason, Nintendo has only used a live orchestral soundtrack on a few occasions in the past. The ultimate decision to use an orchestra was influenced by Mario Galaxy sound director Masafumi Kawamura. Kawamura had previously worked on Donkey Kong Jungle Beat and The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. These games had a feature where sounds would sync up with the player's actions to emphasize what was happening on screen. 
Kawamura wanted to bring this back for Super Mario Galaxy, but also integrate it with an orchestrated soundtrack. In order to do this with pre-recorded music, the orchestra was shown footage of the game and instructed to play at a tempo to match what was on screen at the time, usually a tempo close to Mario's walking speed. Since MIDI data was synced up to the orchestral music, the sound effect could be played and emphasize whatever note was currently playing. This wasn't the last time that the Galaxy series was influenced by Zelda. The Galaxy 2 team experimented with a system that could change the entire game world, similar to the three-day system in Majora's Mask. The idea proved to be too ambitious and was scrapped early on, However, the team still paid homage to Majora's Mask with the Rock Mushroom power-up. One of Galaxy 2's directors, Yoshiaki Koizumi, was adamant about Rock Mario's inclusion. He'd previously worked on Majora's Mask and designed the controls for Goron Link. Influences from the Zelda series can also be found in the original Mario Galaxy. Mega Leg was inspired by an unused boss battle from Ocarina of Time. Ganondorf was planned to transform into a colossal beast that Link needed to climb in order to attack. It was scrapped due to hardware concerns and because players wouldn't be able to see Ganon's entire model on the screen. The skybox texture used in the Ghostly Galaxy and the Boo's Boneyard Galaxy is also a reused texture from the ghost ship in The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. The data from the original Mario Galaxy contains many unused assets. These include the Bully and Big Bully from Super Mario 64, a fake toad that hops around, a darker colored Goomba referred to as an Iron Goomba, a fish-like enemy that goes after coins, and a fire-breathing pig statue. There's even an enemy named Tori Modi, a purple blob creature whose model is fully rigged but not animated. Its name appears to be a play on Tori Mochi, the Japanese word for bird lime, a sticky substance used to trap birds. Bird lime is considered a controversial and sometimes illegal substance in many parts of the world. This might explain why Tori Modi was never fully programmed. A collection of unused insects, fully textured, rigged, and modeled, exist in Mario Galaxy's files. There's also a fully functional landmine that can be set off by touching it or shooting it with a star bit. Unused animations for Mario show that he was planned to throw punches like in Mario 64, and, bizarrely, perform several tennis moves. Yoshi was originally intended to accompany Mario in the first Mario Galaxy. In an Iwata Asks interview, lead programmer Takeshi Hayakawa remarked, Well, if you're gonna put Yoshi in a game, he has to be a main element. But the previous game had spherical landforms and gravity shifts and lots of elements that were entirely new. If we'd thrown in Yoshi too, it would have been too much all at once. This wasn't the only rejected concept brought back for Galaxy 2. Starship Mario was also planned to appear in the first game, though perhaps not as a hub. Characters from other Nintendo properties, including Pikmin and Donkey Kong, were planned to make cameo appearances in Galaxy 2. Shigeru Miyamoto, however, shot both ideas down. In particular, he thought the slender Pikmin characters wouldn't fit the game's mechanics. Mario characters are round and squat so that they're easy to jump on, but the Pikmin wouldn't fit this function. Super Mario Galaxy 2 was originally planned as an expansion or add-on to the original Mario Galaxy. Early development consisted of editing existing missions as well as adding new stars. This early phase was called Super Mario Galaxy 1.5 by Nintendo, but the team ended up adding so many new elements that it became a sequel instead. The internal disk ID for Galaxy 2 is labeled as Super Mario Galaxy More, a possible relic of the game's origins. According to Yoshiaki Koizumi, the basis of Super Mario Galaxy was inspired by Mario 128, a GameCube tech demo shown at Space World 2000. The demo featured several Marios on a warpable platform that players could manipulate. This idea fascinated Koizumi, but he believed the demo's properties couldn't be used in a more realized way with existing technology. Shigeru Miyamoto took interest in how the demo's mechanics might be applied to spherical platforms, and even requested that Koizumi experiment with spherical worlds. Koizumi thought the project would be a good fit for the Wii, but other Nintendo developers had difficulty imagining the game. 
To better explain this idea, Koizumi gathered a small team to make a prototype showing Mario run around a spherical planet. The prototype took three months to make, and while it only showcased a fraction of the concepts used in the final game, it was enough to kickstart Super Mario Galaxy's development. In an Iwata Asks interview for Galaxy 2, Shigeru Miyamoto mentioned that one of the disadvantages of 3D Mario titles was that players tended to get lost or disoriented. Galaxy's spherical platforms fixed this issue, as they would quickly loop around and return players where they started. The official Prima strategy guide for Mario Galaxy featured several pieces of concept art. Early art for Guppy reveals that he was originally going to be one of the dolphins from Super Mario World and was friendlier towards Mario. He was redesigned as a killer whale to reflect the more wild personality the developers gave him. Early concepts for Rosalina were also included in the guide, showing that she initially had a closer design to Princess Peach and was actually intended to be related to Peach. Rosalina's hair was also originally in a beehive hairstyle instead of being let down and covering one eye. The final hairstyle was chosen to reflect her outward strength and inner loneliness. The floating fortress was designed extremely early during development. Designing the planetoid actually helped Nintendo find a direction for the game, and cemented the idea that Super Mario Galaxy would be the next Mario title. Comparing the concept art and the guide, it's easy to see how much the level changed over time. At the beginning of the Good Egg Galaxy, there's a house with a note attached to the door, reading Gone for a long time. Need to get in? Use the pipe on the other side. Instead of the door being readable, however, the developers took a shortcut by placing a signpost behind the door, just close enough for Mario to read it. Did you know? Upon its release in 2006, New Super Mario Bros. was the first 2D Mario platformer to be made in 14 years. The last 2D platformer in the series was 1992 Super Mario Land 2. The decision to return to the series' 2D roots was in response to the growing number of people who no longer played video games. Thanks partially to the transition to 3D, Mario games have become more and more complex, turning away a large portion of their audience. In 2004, the original Super Mario Bros. was ported to the Game Boy Advance as part of the classic NES series. The successful port of this game revealed to Nintendo that many people had fond memories of playing Mario, but for one reason or another, no longer played games. In an Iwata Ass interview, Mario creator Shigeru Miyamoto recalled, At the time, I had a sense that the number of people who played games once, but who didn't any longer, was steadily growing. But while I understood this in principle, the reality of the situation hadn't fully struck me. When I heard people talk about this issue at the time of the NES Classic series release, it was really brought home to me. In response to this trend, Miyamoto and fellow Mario developer Takashi Tezuka decided to make a simpler, more accessible 2D game. Their new game went under the working title of Super Mario Bros. DS, but it was eventually turned into New Super Mario Bros. to indicate the refreshed return to the series' core gameplay. The tactic paid off, as New Super Mario Bros. went on to sell over 30 million copies. It's the best-selling game on the Nintendo DS, and one of the best-selling games of all time. New Super Mario Bros. was also influenced by another series of older Mario games that were ported to the Game Boy Advance. The game was originally conceived as the fifth title in the Super Mario Advance series. The Mario Advance games were released from 2001 to 2003 and took the form of enhanced ports of older games in the series. After the release of Super Mario Advance 4, many fans wondered if there would be a fifth advanced game. With the release of the Nintendo DS, the timing seemed just right to make this new entry. The team decided to go ahead with the project, but make it a brand 
brand new title with unique branding, rather than another port. New Super Mario Bros. incorporates many of the characters and materials from the DS remake of Super Mario 64, and this is an indication when the game started development. In an interview with Game Daily, Tezuka revealed, When we were preparing Super Mario 64 for the DS, some of the characters in that we decided would already be carried over into the new 2D platformer. So as early as that, the team was already working on new Super Mario Bros., and so they just started pulling assets together, different characters and materials, and basically, over the development period of New Super Mario Bros., they just threw it all together, and that's what the game was. Evidence of the connection between these games can be seen in early trailers. Mario is shown throwing punches as well as performing the side somersault, just as he could in Super Mario 64. It's also noticeable that the Mega Mushroom has an almost identical effect to that of the Super Mushroom in Super Mario 64 DS. Additionally, the question switch from Super Mario 64 DS can be found in New Super Mario Bros. files. Further evidence of the two games' connections can be found in their minigame collections. Many of the minigames are identical between the two games. Coins and is even called Wrecking Crew in both games, also referencing the NES game of the same name. Pre-release builds of the game also show three item slots on the bottom screen, but in the final game, there's only one slot. This was likely reduced for balancing purposes. If you've played New Super Mario Bros., one feature you'll probably have noticed is the way that the enemies will dance along with the music. Most of the game's soundtrack features a distinctive ba sound. The enemies will react to the sound every time it plays. Goombas will hop, Cheep Cheeps will twirl in the water, and Koopa Troopas will do a little dance. This feature was implemented because the game's sound director, Koji Kondo, wanted the music to be integrated into the gameplay. Kondo reasoned that players would have to react to both the enemy placement and the rhythm of the song. With enough practice, the player would be able to capitalize on the music's rhythm and predict enemy movements. The trailer for the game shown at E3 2005 used music that never appeared anywhere in the game. This music was originally intended to be the overworld theme, but it was scrapped sometime during development, possibly to make room for Kondo's idea. Many other elements were scrapped during the making of the game. It seems that at least two of the game's eight worlds were originally going to have different themes to those found in the final game. Images can be found in the game's files that suggest that World 4 was going to be a prehistoric world, and World 6 was going to be themed around machinery. In the final version, these worlds were adapted into a forest and mountain world respectively, though it's unclear why these changes were made. Larger variations of Wiggler and Swooper enemies can be found in the game's files. These larger enemies were tied into an interesting gameplay mechanic, as they were simply normal enemies that had eaten a Super Mushroom. Eventually though, this idea was also scrapped. The only remnant of this idea left in the game is the Mega Goomba that appears at the boss of World 4. This may have been the inspiration for the act of growing enemies with Super Mushrooms in Super Mario Maker. After its release, Nintendo became disappointed with the difficulty of New Super Mario Bros, considering it to be too easy. As a result, they focused on striking a balance between accessibility and challenge in the game's sequel, New Super Mario Bros Wii. They set out to accomplish this by incorporating the Super Guide mode. If a player dies enough times in a level, they'll be given the option to activate the Super Guide, where Luigi will complete the level for the player. This allowed the game to remain accessible to less skilled players, but without compromising its difficulty. New Super Mario Bros Wii was also the first game in the series to incorporate a cooperative mode, but this feature was originally going to be intended for the New Super Mario Bros for DS. Early screenshots show both Mario and Luigi helping and hindering one another as they make their way through a desert and a fortress. The feature was eventually scrapped though for unknown reasons, with only the two-player versus mode being featured in the final game. Did you know? 
Mario's original name wasn't Mario, but it wasn't Jumpman either. Shigeru Miyamoto originally named him Mr. Video, and planned to include him in every video game Miyamoto developed as a sort of mascot. Even before this official naming though, Mario's design was referred to as Osan, which is Japanese for middle-aged guy. It's become well known that Mario got his name from Nintendo's warehouse landlord Mario Sigali, but Luigi's name has a slightly more complex origin. Luigi's name comes from a pun on the Japanese word Ruigi, meaning similar. All of Luigi's character sprites in early Mario games were simple recolored copies of Mario sprites, and since Luigi was already an Italian name like Mario's, the name seemed to fit perfectly. Miyamoto has also stated that Mario and Luigi are mononymous, meaning that they they have no last name. The statement also makes it clear that Mario and Luigi's surnames were incorrectly stated as Mario in Super Mario Bros. The Movie, and that Miyamoto likely didn't have any part in the decision to give them a last name. According to Nintendo, the brothers are also twins, with Mario being slightly older than Luigi. The names of Mario and Luigi's evil doppelgangers, Wario and Waluigi, also have interesting origins. Although Wario's name appears to simply be a copy of Mario's with the M flipped upside down, his name is actually a portmanteau of Mario and Warui, a Japanese word meaning bad. So Wario basically means bad Mario. This is also the case of Waluigi, his name is a portmanteau of Warui and Luigi. Waluigi's name works even better in Japan, where his name is pronounced Waruigi. This Warui concept was potentially going to go even farther. While developing Mario Tennis on the Nintendo 64, there were talks of including a female rival for Princess Peach named Warupichi. The character was ultimately dismissed by Miyamoto. Another good call by Shigeru. And while we're discussing the origin stories of everyone's names, Bowser's Japanese name, Koopa, was chosen by Shigeru Miyamoto and comes from a Korean dish called gukbap, which is known in Japan as koopa. Other dishes Bowser was almost named after were yukka, which is raw beef, and bibinba, which is a mixed rice dish. Although the koopa troopa enemies inherited Bowser's Japanese name, they have a completely different name in Japan. They're known as nokonoko, which is a Japanese word that's onomatopoeia for doing something nonchalantly or unconcernedly. The goombas are called karibo in Japan, which roughly means chestnut people. A strange name, especially when you consider the fact that Goombas are based on shiitake mushrooms. The Goomba's sprite was apparently mislabeled by one of the developers of the original Super Mario Brothers, as they thought it resembled a chestnut. This is why the Goombas in Super Mario World look like chestnuts. That said, they aren't technically Goombas, as they're defined as a separate enemy called Kariban in the Japanese games. There are many strange things in Mario games. Some secrets are easy to find, but some are hidden away or completely detached from the games themselves. In the PC version of Mario is Missing, there's audio from the Star Trek The Original Series episode, The Ultimate Computer. The file is named pat.wave, and could be somehow linked to one of the game's programmers, Pat McCarthy. Super Mario 3D Land also contains some bizarre scenarios. The first is in World 1-3. If you use the binoculars and look upwards then wait, you'll actually see a UFO flyby. Another weird secret occurs in the worlds 4-4 and 8-4. In world 4-4, a ghostly figure appears if you wait by the flagpole at the end of the level, and what appears to
to be the same ghost appears in a window in World 8-4. Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door has multiple secrets that were censored in the English release. The enemy Red Bones is called Barari Honenoko in Japan, which translates roughly to Bloody Son of Bones. This should have been altered to Bloody Dull Bones in the English versions of the game, but the name was effectively censored by removing any notion of a bloody death. This isn't the only case of blood being removed from the game. The house at the back alley of Rogueport's main square originally had a toad-shaped chalk outline and dried blood on the floor. Unsurprisingly, these signs of violence don't appear in the English version of the game. This is one of my favorites. Super Mario Sunshine has a very strange horror-inspired reference in the level Serena Beach. The mission The Manta Storm seems to be referencing Stephen King's The Shining. At the end of the book, which is very different from the movie, one of the characters notices a ghostly manta shape floating away over the hotel, and that it was paper thin, like a shadow. This shadow then broke into smaller and smaller forms before turning into smoke and drifting away. In the game, you break the manta into smaller and smaller pieces by squirting water at it until those pieces eventually puff away into the air. There's another strange secret in the Noki Bay. If you go inside the bottle where the red coins are, you should be able to find a small rock formation. Towards the back of the rocks, there's a small door inside that's impossible to open. By glitching the camera to see past the door, you'll be able to see a brown book on the floor. The book is thought to be a part of a scrapped mission, as the area's original background music is titled, The Book in the Bottle. In Pokemon Red and Blue, if you go to Copycat's bedroom, you'll find a Super Nintendo with a game featuring Mario and a bucket on his head. This is a reference to the Japanese exclusive game Mario and Wario, another Nintendo game developed by Game Freak. It's strange that the game remained Japan exclusive as the game itself is entirely in English. Did you know? Officially, Dr. Mario is not a legitimate doctor. In an interview with Game Informer, Shigeru Miyamoto stated, There's really only one rule in terms of the things that Mario does. Generally, it's that he's more on the blue-collar side. He's hardworking and certainly much more physical in nature. So I think that a doctor is sort of an unexpected and perhaps unbelievable role for Mario. Perhaps the Dr. Mario you're thinking of was maybe, in some way, not necessarily legitimate. The gameplay of Dr. Mario was designed by Gunpei Yokoi, the creator of Metroid and the Game Boy. The game was created largely in response to the growing audience for puzzle games that Tetris ushered in after its enormous popularity. The music from Dr. Mario was composed by the same composer from the iconic NES version of Tetris, Hirokazu Tanaka. In addition to being a composer, Tanaka was also a programmer. Because of his combined skills, he didn't have to use real instruments to write the music beforehand like many other video game composers. He was able to program the music for Dr. Mario and Tetris directly into the machine. A rare glimpse into Hirokazu Tanaka's process was discovered by hobbyists at the Cutting Room Floor Wiki. This track is an unused song found buried in the data of an early Dr. Mario prototype. The music sounds experimental and incomplete, but it closely resembles the style of music in the final version. This prototype was one of several distinct builds of Dr. Mario that eventually found their way out of Nintendo's closely guarded custody. It's very rare for early first-party builds to leak publicly at all, but prototypes of the Japanese-developed Dr. Mario turned up randomly in the West decades after the final game released. 
The first widely known build was posted online from Norway in 2008, and was swiftly bought by a private collector for an undisclosed large sum of money. The prototype is called Virus, making no mention of Mario in the title at all. However, Dr. Mario can be seen during gameplay along with a nurse taking care of a sick dog. The animation for Mario is different than it is in the final version, and the viruses have different appearances as well. The second known prototype showed up in Texas. It was listed on eBay in 2010 and sold for $2,200. This version was nearly identical to the previous leaked prototype, with a few small changes to the text and date on the title screen. The next leaked prototype came from Georgia as part of an auction for a Nintendo PlayChoice 10 arcade unit. The PlayChoice 10 units were arcade machines that had 10 NES games with pay-to-play modes, but it was not typical for these arcade machines to house prototype games. This version likely came from Washington, where Nintendo of America used to own a few Chuck E. Cheese restaurants. In those restaurants, they would occasionally use the PlayChoice 10 units to test unreleased NES games on the public. This virus prototype has a unique title screen, along with an original bubbly-looking logo, and it appears to be very close to the final version. The menus look more like Dr. Mario, complete with checkered backgrounds. The nurse and dog are gone, placed with close-ups of the redesigned virus characters. The red and blue viruses are identical to their counterparts in the final version, but the yellow virus appears to have been redesigned again for the final version. It's not clear why this change was made. Over the development of the Mario series, designers came up with many ideas for power-ups that never made it past the planning stages. In New Super Mario Bros. Wii, the developers considered a power-up based on chickens. The only publicly available concept art was shared in a discussion on NeoGAF with a collection of behind-the-scenes Nintendo images. It's not known what the chicken suit would have done, but many fans speculate that it was converted into the penguin suit, as both suits are based on flightless birds. A chicken suit is far from the strangest unfulfilled idea for a power-up. A centaur transformation was once considered for Super Mario Bros. 3, but was ultimately rejected in favor of the Tanuki suit. Super Mario Bros. 3 also apparently had planned a power-up based around Toad. An unused item-sized Toad sprite can be found hidden within the graphical data of the game near the other power-ups. It's not clear if the object was the Toad suit or just an item that summoned Toad, but it's worth noting that the role of Toad changed throughout the development of the game. Koopa Troopas and Hammer Brothers were originally going to be hosts for minigames instead of Toad. There isn't enough data to determine what the Toad object was intended to do, as nothing will happen when the item is reinserted into the game via hacking. Another power-up that was removed during development comes from Super Mario Galaxy 2. Nintendo had concept art for a Demon Mario suit. The design was a cute and harmless take on Japanese demons, otherwise known as Oni. The Oni Mario suit eventually became Cloud Mario, but it's interesting to see that the cloud summoning power-up has mythological origins. Updated music for the Ice Flower and Red Star power-ups can be found in the data for Galaxy 2, suggesting that they may have been planned to return from the first Galaxy game. The character designed for Bowser gets its horns and muzzle from Oxen. When designing the villain for Super Mario Bros., Shigeru Miyamoto was inspired by the Ox King from the 1960 Japanese animated film Journey to the West, released in English-speaking territories as Alakazam the Great. The King of Koopas got the rest of his design from the Koopas themselves. Miyamoto stated, I've been drawing something completely incomprehensible, a turtle's body with an ox's head. Through our discussions, his appearance eventually came together, though. Since Bowser was in the turtle family together with the Koopa Troopas, we began to see similar lines between the two, so we copied those as faithfully as possible. In Super Mario Bros. 3, more turtle designs were added to the lineup, with seven different Bowser-like children ruling the different castles in each world. Contrary to popular belief, the Koopalings are not actually the offspring of Bowser. 
Miyamoto has said, Our current story is that the seven Koopalings are not Bowser's children. Bowser's only child is Bowser Jr., and we don't know who the mother is. Another fact about the Koopalings comes from the animated adaptation of Super Mario Bros. 3 from North America. The pre-production phase of the series predates the final naming convention of the Koopalings from the games. As a result, the Koopalings have entirely different names in the cartoon. The names are Bully, Big Mouth, Kooky, Cheatsy, Hip, Hop, and Cootie Pie. Did you know? Long before Super Mario 3D World, Nintendo had a prototype for a 3D co-op Super Mario game. In 2009, Mario creator Shigeru Miyamoto described this prototype in an interview with Wired.com. With Mario 64, we had an experiment that took advantage of the idea of the screen growing larger and smaller, depending on how far apart the characters were. So we had Mario and Luigi running around in that 3D world. Ultimately, the idea was scrapped because of hardware restrictions. Miyamoto has stated that hardware limitations are some of the most impactful and imperative factors when developing Mario games. An example of restrictions that influence development comes from Mario Kart 64. The available processing power of the Nintendo 64 dictated the pace of the game, and even helped determine the mechanics of the Blue Shell item. According to Mario Kart 64's director, Hideki Kono, the Blue Shell was created to help balance the race by targeting the player in the lead. However, the Nintendo 64's hardware had trouble processing all eight racers on the screen at once, so when the trailing flood of racers passed the player who was recovering from a Blue Shell, it would cause lag or stuttering. To help prevent this from happening, the Blue Shell was made to knock out every other racer in its path. This would scatter the racers near the target and prevent them from entering the screen at once. In Double Dash, this processing limitation didn't exist, so the blue shell was given wings and was made to only target the racer in first place. Memory limitations also shaped the development of the Goomba enemies from Super Mario Bros. Even as far into development as the playtesting stage, Koopa Troopas were the game's main enemy. They existed in the same spaces as Goombas in the final version, but playtesters found the turtles to be tricky to beat. They were especially challenging for inexperienced gamers playing from the start of the game. Near the end of development, it was decided to create a new enemy that could be taken out with a single stomp. This proved to be a challenge though, because the game was quickly using up all available memory. In order to save space, the Goomba sprites were made to be small and only use a single image that flips back and forth as a walking animation. Technical limitations also forced Nintendo to cut entire ideas or reserve them for later use. After Super Mario Bros., Nintendo wanted to give Mario a mountable dinosaur sidekick. But in Miyamoto's own words, it was impossible technically, so Yoshi had to wait until Super Mario World to make its first appearance. Some fans have raised questions about Miyamoto's claim that the NES wasn't capable of gameplay with Yoshi. The main reason being that the 1993 education game Mario is Missing featured exactly that. Gameplay with Yoshi on the NES. However, it should be noted that not only is Mario is Missing a much more simple game than a mainline Mario title, but it also came along near the end of the NES's life cycle, meaning developers had plenty of time to learn how to maximize the console's performance. On the subject of non-Nintendo-developed Mario games, there was once going to be another Mario title for the Philips CDI. And not just the unreleased Mario's Wacky Worlds. The lesser-known second unreleased Mario game was called Mario Takes America. According to an article from Philips CDI World magazine, the game combined interactive gameplay, full-motion video, and a story centering around Mario traveling to various locations within the United States. In July of 2014, a former 
developer of Mario Takes America reached out to AssemblerGames.com and Unseen64.net, revealing new details about this cancelled game. He worked for Canadian developer Sigum Entertainment, who was commissioned by Philips to create the game. Sigum Entertainment sent a crew all over the US to take photos and videos of landscapes. They even used a helicopter to shoot some of the sequences. However, after the other CDI games featuring Nintendo characters failed, Philips cut the funding for Mario Takes America and left Sigum in a tough situation. The failed project bankrupted the company. The assets for the game were repossessed by the Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, and these assets are likely still hidden deep within the bank's archives. Another cancelled Mario game was a project by Next Level Games, the developer of the Mario Striker series. This scrapped project started as a simple sports title called Mario Volleyball, but as the development staff grew and more ideas were pitched for the game, it became Super Mario Spikers, and it incorporated elements of wrestling and game shows. An anonymous contributor close to the project explained to Unseen64.net that the wrestling elements were introduced because of another cancelled Next Level Games project which was both a sci-fi and American pro wrestling licensed game called WWE Titans Parts Unknown. When Super Mario Spikers was pitched to Nintendo, they reportedly turned the project down because the more violent aspects of the game clashed with the company's code of honor. This seems ironic, considering one of the most lucrative Nintendo franchises involves their characters beating each other senseless. By examining a series of the game's animations, however, it's easy to see that the violence from Super Mario Spikers was much more realistic than the slapstick violence of Super Smash Bros., and this could be the reason Nintendo objected. There is another cancelled game that's made an impact on the Mario series, but this time it's not a cancelled Mario game, it's a cancelled Zelda game. The Wii U title Captain Toad Treasure Tracker was actually planned to star Link. Captain Toad's director, Shinya Hiratake, pitched a game set in a small diorama-like world. Hiratake felt that a puzzle platforming game that foregoes the jump ability would allow levels to be much more compact. He didn't think Mario characters were a good fit for this idea, as jumping was a focal point of the series. A small tech demo, starring Link, was put together to show the higher-ups at Nintendo. Shigeru Miyamoto's initial reaction was confusion, as he thought Hiratake's team were pitching actual physical diorama toys with Zelda characters. Once it was made clear that the project was a video game, management shot down the idea. However, Miyamoto thought the project had potential, and it was incorporated into Super Mario 3D World as a minigame. Captain Toad, who originally debuted in Super Mario Galaxy, was chosen as the playable character for these sequences, because Hirotake figured Captain Toad's heavy backpack could be the logical reason the character couldn't jump. After the release of 3D World, Miyamoto encouraged Hirotake's team to take the Captain Toad levels and expand them into a full game. Hirotake said, We'd like to think that Mr. Miyamoto finally realized the vision we had for a diorama those many years ago. Did you know? There were supposed to be multiple cameo appearances by Nintendo characters in Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga. They all took place in the Star Beans Cafe and were meant to be triggered whenever Mario & Luigi invented a new kind of stat-boosting coffee. 
The characters would come out to taste Mario and Luigi's creations in various scenes. Captain Olimar from Pikmin would emerge and dub Mario a strange life form and proceeds to name him Marlio, an anagram of Olimar. He then mistakes Luigi for some kind of dangerous creature and attacks him with his horde of Pikmin. Wario calls your drink awful and is revealed to be in debt to the cafe. Samus fills her energy tanks with the brother's new Hulumbian drink. Link appears to be lost and fills his hearts with a cup of coffee instead of going to a fairy fountain. Fox McCloud gets an incoming call from Slippy or Peppy asking for help. And finally, an excite bike racer causes a commotion by taking his motorcycle into the cafe. Egad would also have his own scene, and each character would give you a gift. A UV lamp from Olimar, Wario's gold, an energy tank from Samus, a Triforce from Link, a gold ring from Fox, an excite spring from the excite bike racer, and the Game Boy Horror from Egad. The scenes were never fully implemented, and it's not known why that is. Possibly because some of the scenes glorified drinks containing caffeine in a game marketed towards children. Some of the items like the Excite Spring, Triforce, Gold Ring, Wario's Gold, and the Game Boy Horror were left in the game with little to no changes. If you've played Mario Sunshine, you've probably come across this guy once or twice. He is Il Piantissimo, a masked man dressed as one of the local residents who races Mario in certain missions in the game. Similar to Koopa the Quick from Mario 64, he does however resemble another Nintendo character. Hacking the game to require his in-game model and removing the mask reveals that Il Piantissimo is actually the running man from Ocarina of Time, or the postman from Majora's Mask, since they're alternate versions of each other. In the new Super Mario Bros. Wii issue of Iwata Asks, Nintendo President Satoru Iwata's online web series, Shigeru Miyamoto revealed that Super Mario 64 was originally going to feature cooperative play. It was split-screen, and players could move independently of each other through Peach's Castle. There is a possible relic of this idea left in the code. If a second controller is plugged into controller port 2, it can control the camera while Peach congratulates Mario, as well as during the credits. It's thought that cooperative play was planned for a comeback in Super Mario 64 2, which was intended for release on the failed Nintendo 64 disk drive add-on. The add-on essentially allowed games to be read off of a disk rather than a cartridge, and was never released outside of Japan. The game was scrapped due to lack of progress in development and the poor sales of the 64DD. Only one demo was ever made, but it was never shown to the public, and the only information we have left is that Luigi was going to appear in the game. Super Mario 64 DS featured Luigi, so it's possible other ideas were taken from Super Mario 64 2 and reworked for Super Mario 64 DS. Another interesting piece on Super Mario 64 is that it was conceptualized as a Super Nintendo game. It would have used a more advanced version of the Super FX chip seen in games like Star Fox and Doom. The idea was instead moved to the new hardware platform being developed, the Nintendo 64. Super Mario 64 actually defined the features of the N64 controller. The analog stick was added for better 3D movement, and the C buttons for controlling the camera. It seems that based on Miyamoto's desire for a free, non-fixed camera, it was the lack of buttons on the Super Nintendo controller that pushed the game onto the Nintendo 64, not simply the desire for more processing power. Oh, also, Boo's voice in this game is just Bowser's voice sped up.
In Super Mario RPG, there are multiple differences between the North American and Japanese versions. One difference is that Bowser's end of victory battle animations are altered in the North American version of the game due to the Japanese victory animation resembling an obscene gesture in the West where a person thrusts their arm upwards, essentially meaning, UP YOURS! Another difference is that in the North American version of the game, after speaking to the Chancellor for the first time, if you go into Princess Toadstool's room, you can look behind her fireplace to find Toadstool's question mark, question mark, question mark. At first, her grandmother will push you away and give you something in exchange for not looking there. If the princess has joined your party by this point in the game, and you try looking at that object, she'll angrily scold Mario. In the Japanese version, the princess is named Peach, and the object is referred to as Peach's XXX. The name was changed for obvious reasons. It's never been revealed what the object was in-game or by the game's developers, but it doesn't take much imagination to guess what it was originally intended to be. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.